Justin Evans' case has remained unsolved for the last year and a half. His cause of death has been deemed as unascertained. The authorities are pushing for suicide. However, the events, evidence, and clues point more to murder than suicide. There's been a very important question surrounding Justin Evans' death and where he was found. Was Justin Evans' body moved? And is it being covered up? We're gonna explore just that in today's video. I'd love for you to help figure this out with me and get justice for Justin and his family. This Christmas is going to be the two-year anniversary. So now, let's get into it. Justin was killed in December of 2020. He lost a lot of blood in a shed next to where he lived. Even with all that blood, which would be fatal, Justin's body was missing. And aside from one tiny drop outside of the shed, Justin was nowhere to be found. Five months later, in May of 2021, he was eventually found a thousand feet from his home. A local citizen was just going for a walk and came upon his body. It was found in a pond slash swamp that was frequented by many people in that area. Yet no one saw anything, no one smelled anything for the entire five months, even the authorities. And speaking of the authorities, their story keeps on changing about this investigation. Now, cops initially announced this case as criminally suspicious. Then in May, when Justin was found, the authorities announced Justin's death as a suicide. They announced it to the media even before Justin's body had an autopsy done. And the authorities initially told the family that they did in fact search the swamp slash pond. And then they changed their mind and said, no, we actually didn't search it. And there was some pretty interesting excuses as to why they didn't. One of them was that they didn't know that they had access all the way around the pond. Well, a pond is a circle. Initially, the autopsy did state that there was a dog who searched the area at the crime scene. And several people, including the family, knew there were dogs out there searching. And I'm talking about the beginning of the investigation. So now the autopsy ruled Justin's death as unascertained. They can't prove that it was a suicide or a murder. Justin was badly decomposed and it mentioned scavengers in the autopsy report. Now, if the cops did search the pond, then they would have found Justin. But they said the pond was frozen, and I'll get to that more in a minute. But I know the search was with the dogs the first day Justin went missing, and also that helicopter searched overhead. I do have a picture of that. So why didn't they find Justin right from the beginning? Because perhaps he wasn't there, and perhaps he was hidden somewhere else by someone else because perhaps it was never a suicide, it was murder. Now this is a case that needs your help. Cases are solved often by the help of the public. I'll reveal what I can in this video and maybe with your help we can solve it together or at least go down the right path. And maybe somebody who watches knows more and is willing to finally share it and get justice do what's right instead of harboring what's wrong. So we're gonna get into and explore each points of each location. Number one, the shed where Justin most likely took his last breath. Number two, the pond swamp area where he was found. And three, the suspected location where I think he could have been placed initially with some interesting points to back it up. Then you can decide where we go next into this case. Let's do it together. First, Justin lived in a small little town called Kilworthy and lived in a mobile home park. He lived with his lifelong best friend, Bud, Bud's girlfriend, Kiera, who really didn't like Justin and was very vocal about it. 
and Bud's adoptive dad, Ken, who's also his biological grandfather. That's another video in itself. And Bud's grandmother, Glenna, or mom. The mobile home is owned by Ken and Glenna. Now there's also a guy named Lucas, and he was fairly new to Kilworthy, having moved there just a few months before, and he lived right beside, or behind, I should say, Justin. But the two were friends, and Lucas died three weeks after Justin did. Now, let's go to location number one, crime scene number one. The shed was right beside where Justin lived. It was not owned by Ken and Glenna, and Justin had permission to use the shed. Justin would go out and hang out in there, and he would also love to listen to his audiobooks. It's here where Justin lost a substantial amount of blood. Something happened in that shed that December day or night. It's estimated that half or more of his blood was lost. I have seen pictures of the shed and the blood, and it is horrific. 1,000% horrific. What I can tell you is that there were footprints in that shed and one, for sure, maybe more, roommates were in that shed before the cops came in. This is a fact, not speculation. And one of Justin's earbuds was found, as mentioned in the autopsy report. It was found in the shed and the other one is still missing. I did do a video based on the evidence that his audible was playing continuously and we connected some dots. I'll have that in the description box below. Now on Friday, that's when his audio books played continuously. I believe something happened to Justin on Friday, Friday evening, perhaps late in the night or even later in the night. Saturday is what I call alibi day and by Monday afternoon, that's when the cops were called. Notable, the murder weapon was not found in the shed or the suicide weapon and it would take more than one person to move a body. Justin was over six feet tall and a dead body isn't easy to move. It would take more than one. So why would someone attempt suicide and then carry a weapon all the while bleeding out with only a trace of blood on the ground and walk to the pond? Now, if you can see in this picture, you'll see that it's actually not a straight shot. He was found to the north side of the pond, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're walking that way, bleeding out, and you go to the furthest point. But let me know your thoughts below. Also, if it was suicide and there was only a drop of blood, why would someone move his body if it was suicide, right? There's some oddities in this location. There were pictures taken of this blood riddled shed and it was taken by Kiera and they were also distributed. Now at first it was reported that it was Bud who took the pictures but later Kiera confirmed that in fact it was her who took the pictures. Also interesting, on the day that Justin was reported missing on the Monday in December, Bud and Kiera went to only two homes to see if anyone saw Justin one of them being Lucas's and the other one being a neighbor named Sarah. Now, interestingly, the vantage point is basically here's the shed and over here are the two houses that can see to the vantage point of the door where the shed is. Interesting, right? Let me know below. Also interesting, Bud's been his best friend since five years old, which is about 17 years. He only went to two places to find his friend, and that's it in the entire investigation. Let's hit up now location number two. This is the pond. 
It could be crime scene number two, or it could be crime scene number three. Justin was found five months later on May 19th, 2021. He was 1,000 feet from the home, approximately. And he was found at the edge of the water, but half submerged. Now, the weather that week was warm. The day of was a high of 26 degrees Celsius and a low of six degrees Celsius. For Americans, that's about in the 80s as a high. You'll see it here in this chart that I did the conversion for you in Fahrenheit. Now, he was found on the north side of the pond, like I mentioned. Justin's mom, Jamie, and Justin's sister, Kristen, did a video about the walk and what it would look like from the trailer to the edge of that pond. I did have it in a previous video. You'll be able to see the playlist down below. Now, if a person is bleeding and has a lethal injury, how are they gonna walk without a trace all the way to the north side of the pond, like I mentioned earlier? And why would they choose to go way over there? Let me know your thoughts. Now, residents have written in and said there were kids looking for minnows a day or two before at that pond in that area where Justin was found. Some neighbors did an independent search to look for Justin there, but turned up nothing. And many are wondering, how did Justin just appear all of a sudden? Now, here's what was found there besides Justin. They found an X-Acto knife in the pond. And this is interesting to me because Justin worked with X-Acto knives at work and so did Bud. And Bud and Justin worked together. Now, Justin was found with superficial cuts on his wrist. And in the report, it states that it was likely non-fatal. Was this meant to look like suicide and someone tossed the X-Acto knife in the pond? And that way it supports that theory. And the cops say that the water was frozen, but when I look at the weather report, it wasn't. And Jamie also backs it up and says it was never frozen because they had some warm weather. It went up, it went down, it went up. Now, it stormed on Monday, December 14th, the day he was reported missing. And it was a pretty bad storm but it was a high that day of minus one Celsius and a low of six. Now they had a cold snap the week before for four days. It was below zero from the 5th to the 8th, which actually is warm for December. Then it went above zero from the 9th to the 13th. And the 14th was when the storm happened. Now, interesting at the crime scene, so to speak, there were disposable gloves just tossed on the ground. There was also a tarp nearby and it wasn't taken into evidence. It looked like a makeshift kind of camp slash fort, but that wasn't touched. The chitter chatter though, I will say, was that there's a tarp missing from Ken's shed, not Justin's shed, but Ken's shed. So if you know something about that, well, let me know. Now back to Justin, there was no reported smell at any time in those five months. When it's colder, I understand there might not be, especially if he's more preserved, but as time goes by and as it gets hotter and hotter, which in May it was, there still was no smell, which I find interesting. Now I've talked to an officer who trains with cadaver dogs and we talked about decomposition, weather, wind, all kinds of stuff. I laid out the situation and the scenario and he said it is possible that Justin was moved. Now there's one more detail that really stuck out to me as well, but I would have to do a little bit more research on it. Maybe you could help me on this. And it had to do with Justin's laces. He had boots, but the boots were untied. Now 
Normally, that would be like a so what situation, but I had a chat one day with Justin's sister and she mentioned that Justin always, she said, that's weird, Justin always has his boots done up and he just slips his feet in. Now, this makes me think, could they have come undone in the water and that's why? Or did somebody put his boots on way back in the beginning of this? What are your thoughts? Let me know. Now, after Justin was found, there was a memorial made near the pond. People put mementos on there, they put signs and painted signs. There were two particular signs, however, that were stolen from the memorial. One sign said, where's his cell phone? Where are his earbuds? And the other said, the OPP failed Justin. Now, out of all these signs, which was interesting, was that those two signs were chosen to be stolen. Now, instead of the person running away with the signs, you know, putting it in their vehicle, their truck, or their car, and running off with them, they actually grabbed the signs, ran into the forest, and put the signs in the exact spot just in front of where Justin was found. Interesting, right? So let me ask you this, how did they know? It was as if to say like, here, here's where you look and put the signs at the location, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, look here, the OPP didn't fail Justin. Here's where you'll find him. It's a suicide and that's it. You know what I mean? Notable, Justin's phone wasn't retrieved and neither was the other earbud. Justin's phone sat in his home all weekend with the Audible book continuously playing. And I proved that his phone was plugged into that wall. It was charging until it wasn't. And if Justin died on Friday, which I believe and the family believes he did, who unplugged his phone and got rid of it? I have that video, you can check it out below. Another oddity and an observation, in April, three weeks before Justin was found, Kiera posted a wallpaper of a generic picture on Facebook. She changed her, I guess, yeah, wallpaper. But it's the content of the picture that really piques my interest. And it's of a forest it's a generic picture, but if you look at it and you look in the middle, you'll see a house. It's an interesting vantage point, very similar to where he'd be found. Was this a heads up, a hint of what's to come? We have to look at this. If we look at the Gannon Stout case, there's something very similar that came up and it was a post by Letitia Stout, Gannon Stout's stepmom and she posted a video of little Gannon waving like this and jumping in the water. And what happened was a few weeks after, the authorities found Gannon in, or I should say beside water over a bridge. So there is some weird things. Am I saying Kiera killed Justin? No, I'm not. However, there's some oddities that has happened in this case that involves Kiera. So far we have her taking pictures of the shed and then her posting this and some other things. Let's go to the autopsy. It says the postmortem was limited by decomposition changes and postmortem scavenging. Findings included two superficial, likely non-fatal incised wounds to the left wrist. The location on the body is a site of election for self-inflicted sharp force injuries. There was no significant natural disease identified. 
toxicology testing was non-contributory, given the uncertain circumstances of the disappearance and the limitations in the postmortem examination, the cause of death is unascertained. The postmortem scavenging artifacts to the neck and chest area may have obscured some injuries that could have been fatal. The possibility of drowning also cannot be excluded. Now let's talk about the next location, the third potential location. It's at an abandoned area and it used to be an old Harvey's fast food restaurant. It's located a seven minute drive north of where the trailer and the pond is. Now just down the road, there were reports of birds of prey and buzzards in the area just after Justin died. Now the cops said that it was because of a meat truck that spilled um, in an accident. Now, there was a semi-truck accident that happened on December 19th, 2020, just five days after Justin was reported missing. It went off the road on Highway 11 and Luigi Road, as shown here. Now, interestingly, it was very near where the Harveys is. So I emailed a reporter that covered the story and asked, hey, do you know anything about meat being spilled on this accident. And the reporter messaged me back and said, I don't know, I didn't look. So it's very interesting to me, but if you do know that answer and you're in that area, please write it in the comments. Let me know what that truck actually spilled because I find it curious that somebody's reporting that there's vultures or buzzards or whatever it is, and we have some serious scavenging going on on Justin. Not that it can't be at the pond as well, but there's just some interesting circumstances. So let me know below. Now, here's where it gets even more odd. There was a picture taken at the Harveys of Bud and Kiera kissing at this location in the new year. It was a few months after Justin died. Now, Kiera's picture is actually reversed in it. And Kiera also states that it was in fact the Harveys, except there's a little bit of oddities, surprise, surprise, in her given statement. People were upset about this picture, Justin's family included, because Bud was wearing Justin's white sunglasses. And those were Justin's favorite sunglasses. He wore them all the time. But the family picked up Justin's belongings shortly after his disappearance. Glasses weren't in there. Now it could be argued that you know what, Bud wanted to wear something of his best buddy, you know, a little something of Justin, so he kept them. I get it. But when the family picked up those items, it would, like I said, it was just days after his disappearance. So why keep the sunglasses if there's a possibility that Justin would come back? And if Justin wore them all the time, they'd either be with Justin or in his room. So why didn't Bud say anything to Jamie like, hey, you know what, I'd like to keep these. Also notable, even though Bud was best friends with Justin for over 15 years, he never once called the family to say, you know what, I'm really sorry what happened to Justin, you know, nothing of that. I find that really odd. What do you think? As for the sunglasses, the reasoning that he gave why he had the sunglasses was because Justin sold them to him. He sold it to him for 60 bucks, but the glasses were only worth 40. And Jamie says, Justin would never sell his sunglasses. He loved them. Why would he sell them? Now back to people being mad. They're mad because they're thinking that, th that he's keeping it as a trophy. Now there's some interesting things that I found about 
trophies and what happens in murders. It says a trophy is in essence a souvenir. In the context of violent behavior or murder, keeping a part of the victim as a trophy represents power over that individual. When the offender keeps this kind of souvenir, it serves as a way to preserve the memory of the victim and the experience of his or her death. Now, according to the FBI, there's a difference between their definition of souvenir and a trophy. But it says that a souvenir is something that fuels the killer's fantasy, while a trophy is proof of their skill. And it says the res regardless, the results is the same. The murderer used these objects to, re to relive the thrill of the crime and feel powerful again. But there was a study that the FBI did, and they looked at 480 cases, and they talked about personal items such as clothing and jewelry were taken in the greatest frequency in comparison to items such as money. Clothing or shoes were 48.5%, jewelry 31.7%, wallet or purse 23.6%, and money 20.5%. Here's what bothers me about this location, and it bothers a lot of other people too. This location is abandoned. They chose to go here, take a picture, with Justin's sunglasses on, post it to Facebook where they know that it's Justin's sunglasses and there were noted buzzards around the area. And there's one more thing. When asked where this picture was taken, Piero was very hesitant to say where this was taken. And she said some very odd statements about it. Just 18 days before, Justin was found, the question was asked, where was the picture taken where Bud was wearing Justin's sunglasses? And Kiara says, so this one was scary one to answer. I had seen this one before, meaning the question. Because it plays on the whole, if I tell you guys where I took the pictures and for some reason that he was there, it's tag you're it, right? But I don't mind sharing because, you know, I think I've cleared the air pretty well. Um, so for people around here, they'll know what I'm talking about. It's hard to explain to others, but uh, where the old Harvey's was on the highway. And then it's a little bit inaudible there. She says, that's where we took them in the empty lot there. So she admits she's taking it in this lot. Bud's wearing the sunglasses. 18 days later, Justin's found in the pond. I don't know if there's a little bit nervousness there or what uh, about, um, you know, the location now that people know. And a couple weeks before that was that post on the wallpaper. So there's just interesting events. So does this give you a red flag? Let me know in the comments below. It certainly does to me. Now, some interesting points back to the statement. Why would she be scared to answer an abandoned building and that area? I mean, if it was no big deal and they took a picture, what's the big deal? You know, why would she think that Justin would just turn up there? She says, also, I think I've cleared the air pretty well. Now, Kiera has made statements under my videos numerous times, and she also chats with some of the commenters as well. And she uses, I want to say, advice, so to speak, and will use the same terminology. So she used, I think I've cleared the air pretty well. And one of my commenters had said to her, clear the air, you know, do this, do that. And she used this verbiage. She also used an entire, almost an entire opening line of one of my videos on this case and turned it into a post, her post on Facebook. It opens up almost the exact same way or the same idea 
as I do in my opening thing. It's very interesting behavior. And speaking of behavior, it was mentioned in an article by Inspector Matt Watson that the authorities were looking into a behavior analyst. But why would you need to get one if it was suicide, right? And I don't think they ever did get one, even though, in my opinion, they needed one. Like I said, 18 days after this, Justin was found at the pond. Now, if Justin was at this location, the abandoned area, which is a possibility, then the question is, how was he moved from there to the pond? Because there's some, I'm sure there's some, you know, problem solving to be done with that after so many months of decomp, unless he was frozen. Now, one more thing. Let's turn the attention for a second to Ken. Remember how I said I believe that Justin was killed on Friday? Well, Saturday morning, Bud and Kiera supposedly went Christmas shopping out of town. And Ken was seen, and it was mentioned in court, that Ken drove Kiera's car on Saturday. Why was that? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Now, Ken was charged with obstruction of justice. He lied to the cops about his whereabouts. He said it was because he was on a bender all weekend. Well, if you're on a bender and you're driving and you're admitting it, that's pretty interesting too, isn't it? And did Kiera give him the keys to the car? Or did he just take the car? Why did he take the car? And where was Ken going? As for the OPP or the Ontario Police, it's not the first time they've come into question. There was an episode on the Fifth Estate and they talked about a case in the area and it didn't add up and they proved that the OPP was wrong. And in this case, I've discovered that basic protocols were breached. The question is why? I've also discovered that there are family members, at least two, that are part of the McKinney family that are in law enforcement in some capacity. And Kiera's dad is buddies with someone also in the OPP. Very interesting. Now, I want to give you a stat here from Stats Canada, and it talks about most victims know their killer. It says, this is Canadian statistics, Consistent with previous years, approximately four out of five victims of solved homicides in 2020 knew their killer. Over one third, which is 38%, of all homicide victims were killed by an acquaintance, i.e. non-family, and another third, 31%, were killed by a family member, including 10% killed by a spouse and 20% killed by another family member, while 18% were killed by a stranger, 8% were killed by someone with whom they had a criminal relationship. 
example of drug dealers and their clients, and 5% were killed by someone with whom they had a current or former intimate relationship. One in five accused persons suspected of having a mental disorder or development disorder, which I find interesting. Police suspected the presence of a mental or development disorder in 20% of persons accused of homicide in 2020. This proportion is slightly higher than the previous 10-year average of 17%. Police suspected the presence of a mental disorder in women accused more frequently, 25% of women accused, than when the accused was a man, 20% of the men accused. Over half of the solved Homicides committed by someone with suspected mental or development disorder were committed against a spouse or family member. Moreover, homicides by someone with a suspected disorder were committed most often by persons ages 18 to 29, which is 34%, followed by 30 to 39 years old, 27%. Accused persons suspected to have a mental or development disorder most often used a knife or other piercing or cutting instrument followed by a firearm. Now there has been a common denominator through this case. And in this video, it's only scratching the surface. Was Justin moved? And if so, who moved him? We know he was moved from the shed, but the question is where was the second location? Was it the pond and why couldn't they find him? Or was it this third location or were there more locations? And how many people involved know? Now, what about the neighbor Lucas? I'm sure you're wondering, right? Well, there's a problem with that theory. Lucas died three weeks after Justin. In fact, that's a whole other video that needs to be addressed. If Justin was moved, it certainly wasn't by Lucas because Lucas was dead and a dead guy can't move a dead guy. And if Justin wasn't moved, why couldn't anyone find him in the pond, including the cadaver dogs and including the authorities? Let me know your questions below let me know your thoughts and where you'd like to explore next. Watch my phone video here and you can watch my audible video here. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you in the next video.